0: Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower.
1: Hey guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Deer Dot Podcast. I'm your host, Doctor Christopher Huffpower, and joining me today is uh, a good friend of mine, Adam Vega. Now, Adam has been a member of the business of dentistry, and um, he's been a member for quite some time now. Adam, when did you join?
0: Uh, at this point, it had to have been a couple years ago. Yeah. Well, I've I'm always,
1: sure. um, I've always. Had great respect for the thoughtfulness of your responses whenever you're um, you're writing up uh, a response to someone's question or a response even to another comment. Uh, I, I find that the, your your responses tend to be very informed and very introspective. So I was really excited whenever I finally got to meet you, uh, which of course was at the the Business Masters course. If I remember correctly, that was the first time we met. So. Yep. Uh, folks, I've been kind of in communication with Adam, and I, I found out that there's a reason why he has such informed decisions and decision-making processes whenever it comes to business, and that's because he has a, he has a secret ace up his sleeve. Adam, tell us a little bit about what you did before you became a dentist.
0: Uh, you know, I was never on the track to become a dentist. I bounced around a lot before I decided to get into dentistry, and I started out as basically engineering right? That's where I started out and kind of that analytical thought process. And I realized pretty quick, I'd rather be a uh, construction worker than an engineer, right? Get out and do stuff. And so I bounced around. I did a lot of the different sales jobs, you know, the door-to-door sales and knocking on doors, you know, rain and shine, night, you name it. Um, basically selling security systems. And that didn't really line up with my personality at all. You know, I was quiet, I was introverted but you knock on enough doors, get enough doors slammed in your face and you start to see things from a different perspective, right? right. You start to find out that you have to have a, a trust in what you do and what you're doing to be able to sell something, right? And I know that's a dirty word kind of in dentistry, but once you learn that, you can help people. And so anyways, all the way through, you know, that changed my perspective and I ended up in dentistry. And actually, while I was in dentistry is when I, I started to get my MBA, right? Before school, I was a personal trainer, so I I knew business and did all types of different things, but I knew that dentistry was changing. It wasn't what a lot of people see, right? And, And now people have computers and they can do whatever they want and review and go down the street and go somewhere else because now they have information they didn't use to. But dentistry seems to be slowly changing. And so I wanted to be ahead of that. I wanted to understand the business side of things. I wanted to understand how patients think how people think and how we can better serve them because we're becoming a, you know, what we do is a service, right? That's what matters. And so if we can give that patient experience um, through the business side of things, as opposed to the dentistry side of things, um, I think that's how you're going to have an advantage going forward because patients have no clue what we do on a daily basis, right? Absolutely. Based it, it's just the way it is. And so we have to think about it from their perspective and how we can build value in what we do for them while still doing, obviously, the best dentistry you can. So,
1: Absolutely. Uh, I, um, I used to say uh, patients only know about the chair they seat their ass in in the reception area and the chair they seat their ass in in the treatment area. They know if they're comfortable or not, and they know how they were treated in between. But other than that, they don't know a damn thing about dentistry. So it's really up to us to create an experience that the patient identifies with quality, comfortable care.
0: Yeah, so, and that's
1: important. So one of the reasons why I reached out to you is um, you and I had been talking a little bit back and forth and, uh, on, on messages and also just in posts on the Facebook page. And um, you, you said something one day, and I, I called you immediately. And, of course, you didn't pick up because you don't have messenger on your phone, you <laughs> schmuck. But um, you, you had said something about how associate dentists need to change the way that they think. Uh, in response to someone's post. And it was just so beautifully worded and so well thought out that I said, you know, I really, I really have to get this guy on an interview and, and let him have a voice because I really, really respect what you said there because you're coming from the position of being an associate dentist. And honestly, I think I told you this the first time I met you. I was shocked that you were still an associate because you have such a great business mind. Uh, and um, so and I, I, believe your, I believe your response to me was you're not ready yet. And uh, now, now I know a little <laughs> bit more about why you're not ready yet because of all the moving and everything. But yeah. talk to me a little bit about your philosophy as an associate dentist and, um, and, and some of your beliefs about how the role of the associate dentist is going to change going forward.
0: Gotcha. So, you know, I don't have a ma- messenger on my phone, right? Because Facebook is something that I avoided. I'm on it now because of the group that you created and I can see value in the group. So first off, I mean, just thank you for doing what you do. You know, that's awesome. Thank, thank, thank you for introducing you to crack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Always on there checking things. Um, depends on how you do it. You got to get messenger off your phone, right? Otherwise, you're always taking it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, you know, I go on there, and like I said before, we have access to information now that we didn't before. And so we get into this mindset of if somebody hasn't done something before specifically, they have no idea about what it's about. But I can get on Facebook and I can see what owners are going through, right? I can see on a daily basis what's going through their mind, what challenges they have, what risks they think they have, um, and how they approach that, right? And that's something that 20 years ago, as an associate i may not have had access to especially on the scale that we have and so right now i'm an associate i have been for three years my wife is actually going back to school for uh, orthodontics you know we met in school and so um for another three years our life's going to kind of be up in the air and so between this time my plan is to make the most of being an associate that i can right i want a good stable uh, job to be in but unfortunately Associates move, right? They do it. And so every time I move, I try to learn something different going forward. And every time I see this, it changes the way I think, right? Because as an associate going in and just trying to do um, what associates do, right? Being the best clinical dentist we can and then going home at the end of the day, our value maybe isn't shown to the owner the way that we need to be able to show it. And so if we keep thinking that, yes, we're a doctor, yes, we're equal with the owner, but we keep acting like employees you know, that like the assistant that just goes home and has no, no worries about the uh, business. We're always going to have that, that gap between an owner and an associate, right? The owner is not going to really um, respect isn't the right word, but respect us in the same way that we want to be respected. And so if we're not thinking like them and how we can bring value to their business as, as employees, but seeing ourselves equal as doctors, you know, we're missing something there. And so that's, how I try to approach things right from that business side. um, How can I make an owner's life easier as an associate, right? How can I be an owner while being an employee? Right. Well,
1: you know, one of the oldest adages uh, in business is that employees are employees for a reason and that they don't think like owners because of that. What you're proposing is that basically associates begin to think like owners because it makes them more valuable to the practice as a whole, is, 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 am, am I reading that correctly?
0: Exactly, I mean, you know, the, what can the owner do that we can't, right? They could do everything we can. And so at the end of the day, if they don't need us, the business is still gonna be just fine without an associate, right? We have to be able to come in and show our value and be able to build value for the patient and for the the business at the same time. And that's just something I think that most associates don't think about because we're, we're busy thinking about the clinical. We're usually younger, right, not as experienced. Right. And all of that other stuff goes to the wayside.
1: So you wrote up a little, um, a little outline of what you wanted to talk about today. And I, I'd like you to just mm-hmm. follow along with that outline, and I'll interrupt with questions every now and then. By the way, uh, for those of you who are, who are missing this and wondering why the live session was abruptly interrupted, it's because Facebook is on crack. And uh, our, our live broadcast was, uh, was canceled by Facebook because of some issue they're having with Zoom right now. So we're just going to continue this, uh, this interview just as if it were just a normal podcast. And we'll, just, uh, we'll get people to post questions later. Since Adam's on the group, he'll be able to actually answer whatever, whatever those questions were. So yeah. go ahead and there take it do. from the top. Uh, you, your first heading says the most important thing to know about associates moving forward is that their needs are secondary to the needs of the business. That's a very powerful statement. And I think, Adam, it's one that's going to get you um, in a little bit of hot water with some other associates. <laughs> so talk to me a little right. bit about how you came to that philosophy and, and, and kind of walk us through what you've put down in your outline here.
0: Okay. Uh so yeah obviously it's a, a little provocative right and we all like to think that we're super important and and not replaceable but at the end of the day if the business isn't going well and isn't successful it doesn't matter if you have a job right because eventually you're going to lose out on it so the business has to come first and i think that's something that that owners in dentistry may have a t- hard time dealing with as well right because at the end of the day it's a business right the healthcare aspect comes into it and that is primary period right end mm-hmm. of discussion but after you've, you've given that patient the, the pedestal that they need, you still have to run a business, right? You still have to make a profit. You still have to be thinking at the end of the day that the business has to go on or nobody has a job. And so owners right now, you know, with things going on, they're going to have to cut back, right? They're, they're tightening the strings and they're trying to figure out how they're going to get through this. And the reality is it's the associates that are going to suffer going forward right? And we just have to accept that. And so basically, my outline goes, uh, goes down the list of how does an associate deal with that risk, right? Because nobody denies the risk that an owner has going forward, right? We hear about it, we see about it in the group all of the time. It's there. The question is, what risk do an associate have? And they have to be able to see that going forward. You know, and so that's kind of where I'm at on that. And it's, it's both for the associate and the owner. So nothing I'm going to say here is, is to uh, downgrade the owner or say anything like that, but I'm going to try to focus on, on the associate and how they can increase their value, protect themselves, and, and ultimately reduce their risk that, you know, usually isn't addressed.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the second portion of your, your little outline here uh, starts with a, another provocative statement. Associates have to understand how the owner sees them, and what their role is within the business. So talk to yeah. me a little bit about how do owners see associates, or at least from your, from your vantage point, how do owners see associates?
0: Mm-hmm. So obviously this is a generalization, right? It depends on every different kind of, type of uh, relationship out there between the owner and the associate. But at the end of the day, right now, I think a lot of the comments that you see, owners see associates more the as liability than they do an asset, right? And that, that's kind of the way I see it. And obviously, I think they realize that associates bring value. But at the end of the day, they see them as an expense, right? They see something as, hey, I can do that crown. Why am I letting an associate do that, right? And that's if an associate isn't thinking about these things, they're missing that entire perspective. Right? And so going forward, it, it's, you have to identify the risks and the challenges that the owner is facing. That's just the way that it is, and to to be able to, yeah, I guess it, it you know it it goes back to again it's just that that hard role that you have, and so um, the associate is the only thing within the practice that can bring value to the practice. It is the only thing that can actually produce profit for the owner without the owner having anything to do with that, and that's on top of the hygienist. And so mm-hmm. if we don't understand that, and if we can't say, hey, look, I can actually Increase the value of your business simply by working. Nobody else in the practice can do that except for the doctor. We have to start kind of looking at that and poking at that, right? Showing that value. So
1: I'll, I'll, I'll make one argument but with a, mm-hmm. with a caveat. And I think you'll be on the same page yeah. here. Let me, let me explain. Not only associate dentists can be profit centers. So there's, there's a difference between a profit center and a force multiplier. A full sm- force multiplier can actually create profit for the practice, but must be done so, m- must be doing so under the auspices of the doctor. They have to have either direct or indirect supervision to do so. The associate is the only um, instrument that we have available in a practice that is, in and of itself, a profit center that does not require the oversight. Ideally, obviously, practice management wise, they do, but they don't require the oversight directly or indirectly of the owner doc, doctor to produce that product. Does that make sense? Can we agree on that?
0: Yep. No, that's exactly, I agree. You know, it's the same thing is, is you still have to have the owner side of the owner for every other aspect of your business, except for the associates. The associate can, can basically function autonomous, autonomously within your practice and build value.
1: Fantastic. So you ask a couple of questions here. And, um, you say from the owner's perspective, you have to question yourself, what are the risks and challenges that owners are facing right now? And you've you've covered a little bit of that and uh, about the uh, the contracting of the dental space during this epidemic and possibly afterwards as well as we have a recession that's following on the heels of it. Um, how do owners view associates? Do they view the associate's role within a business as a partner, a manager, a leader, or just an employee? So you've said you've, you've worked in a lot of different positions. I assume that you've actually um, either personally experienced these different roles or that you've spoken to others who have. Talk to me a little bit about what it's like as an associate, uh, because I, in full disclosure, um, I was only an associate for six months. So I've almost always been an owner. So uh, talk to me a little bit as an associate, um, how those different work environments feel and uh, what they do for you or, and what they do to you.
0: So I think it's expectations, right? Unfortunately, it comes down to communication, which in general, people just aren't great at, right? We, we feel that other people should feel how we feel. And from your perspective, right? You worked for six months as an associate and now you're an owner and you know, from all indications you're a fantastic owner and you know, you should be able to empathize with the associate. I'm on the other hand of where I've been at it for, for three years as an associate. And so I can see different things that maybe you weren't able to experience. And then I have my wife that was, you know, three years as well. So you kind of multiply that, right? I get a a little more personal touch to it. And so the expectation of what you are, when you go into a practice in the corporate situation, you're an employee, right? Most of the time, You don't have much say on anything inside the practice. You go in, you do the dentistry, you don't worry about anything else, and you go home, right? So you're an employee and you know where you stand, which makes it easier. It's when you don't know where you stand that creates that conflict between the associate and the owner, right? Because if I go into a private practice and you know early on they're floating ideas of potentially partnership moving forward, all this type of stuff, but nothing in, in writing, right? It's all words, it's all talk. I don't know if I'm an employee I don't know if I should be acting like I'm an owner in the practice. I don't know if I'm a manager, right? I don't know if that hygienist that's been there for 20 years is my boss or or I'm a manager to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's all of these unknowns where you're you're walking on eggshells to try to figure out where you're at. And if you're not communicating this, you're missing that. And so first things first, you just have to be on the same page and figure it out and and know what's expected of you going forward.
1: Well, I I would say that um, just in my experience, in management, and, and, and I was a manager long before I was a dentist, but that's a, another story for a different lifetime. So anything that needs to be passed from your mind to the minds of the people who work for you needs to be in writing. Um, written communications are the standard by which all practices should operate. And it, it, you, you said words earlier, and I was reminded of that, that famous soliloquy from Hamlet, words, 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 Right. Uh, What do they they mean? They mean nothing until they're written down. So all job Mm -hmm. descriptions, including associate positions, should have a written standard by which the associate can measure their performance and by which the owner can measure the expectations of the associate and whether or not they're meeting those written expectations. So what I'm hearing from you is basically we're on the exact same page. I want a written policy. You want a written policy. That's the best way to communicate. Uh, because as you said, um, in, your, in your, your missive here, uh, feelings are incredibly powerful, but logic still matters. Unfortunately, <laughs> words, they're feelings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Writing is logic, right? When you write something <laughs> down, you've got a standard. So I, I think we're right. both in agreement on that. So um, you, you write something else here. Think like an owner, but outwork the staff. Talk to me a little
0: bit about that. So this goes back to how an associate needs to see themselves, right? As far as the owner goes, they're a doctor and they're an owner. Where the overlap is between the associate and owner is being a doctor, right? And so you start to cross your lines of okay, where does the owner start and the doctor begin? And that's just you know how most dental practices are run. There's not really a line between the two, right? They're always wearing both hats. And so that's where associates start to see themselves more in line with the owner than the staff, without actually doing that, that extra step of thinking like an owner, right? Because they're still just right. thinking like a dentist, if that makes sense. And so they have to be on board with understanding, back to what we talked about earlier, the risks and the challenges that the owner's going through. But we also have to be able to show our value. And so we have to be like that, that superstar member of the team that is always there to help, always doing things, right. never saying no. And especially moving forward, right? Because hygiene is is going to be up in the air for a while. Associates are going to be up in the air for a while. And so if I'm trying to come back as an associate and bring value to the practice, i need to be on board with whatever's walking through that door, right? Hygiene all day if I need to kind of a thing.
1: And that answers a question I was was going to ask you anyway. What was your Mm -hmm. viewpoint on that? Earlier uh, this month, there was a post by an associate who was incensed that her owner expected her to work. Do you remember this post? Is it fair that's that my owner expects me to call patients? I'm a doctor. And yeah. my thought as an <laughs> owner was, you're not going to be a doctor in my practice for long. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I'm not going to pay you to stay home if I can pay you to do something that's safe. But that, uh, that brings us to one of the other points that you make here. No job is too small. Be humble and be helpful. Talk to me a little yeah. bit about that. What, what have you what seen respect- that doesn't jive with that thought?
0: Yeah, I think it all goes back to expectations, right? When we go in and you don't have expectations, you start seeing yourself. Again, it's feelings, right? We all go off of feelings. We start feeling like we're closer to the owner than we are the rest of the team if there are no expectations in place. So do you see the owner really doing all of these other things? Sometimes, right? And usually you do, especially when things get tough. But it's easy to dismiss those things only see the good things, right? And so – you have to be humble. You have to have to be helpful moving forward. And so no job too small is if I'm walking by the bathroom and it's, it's you know, I have nothing else do going on and it's a mess or there's some things in there, throw on some gloves, you know, clean it up because the owner will feel that value, right? You don't have to go and tell them, they'll right. see it or go through and, and you have to go back to I'm a member of this team, I'm a member of this business, and I'm trying to make this business successful. And so if I can help out in the front because they're getting, you know, getting behind and I'm sitting down at my my uh, computer on Facebook right uh, it, it it you start to build that value when you understand that the owner would be down on in that bathroom cleaning it up right they're just doing it after hours you don't see it right? right because they have to make that happen and so yeah I think the worst thing you could do is think of yourself as a dentist you know you have to get over it because at the end of the day yeah you're a doctor but who cares, right? In the business, you have to be able to help out where you can do what you can. And then when you're doing all of these small jobs, right, when you're doing the sterilization, when you're doing the hygiene, when you're making calls, when you're doing these things, if you're thinking like an owner, like we've touched on, you can then bring value by saying, hey, you know, maybe we have an inefficiency here. Maybe we can change how we do things, because now I'm looking at it differently. Absolutely. I'm looking at it from an owner instead of an employee, even though I'm doing these small jobs. So it all kind of comes back in together. But just have to be on board.
1: So one of the things that really kind of upset me about this entire COVID situation was my expectation is that we as doctors would all pull together, but there seems to be a widening schism between doctor owners and doctor associates. Um, And it's, uh, you know, I'm a member of several different Facebook groups. We see it a lot less on the business of dentistry. Um, But in a lot of these other groups, you see a lot of um, basically associates saying that the owner is greedy and owners saying that the associates are disrespectful and greedy themselves. You know, hey, my associate just wants to uh, just wants to do big cases. Hey, my owner just wants to do big cases or hey, the owner wants to open up too soon. And, uh, and, and it, it's going to endanger us all or the owner saying the associates are lazy and they don't want to come back to work. They just want to stay home and get paid. I think in reality, everyone is greedy. And I yeah. think we can say that's a universal thing because mm-hmm. self-interest drives our very existence. It's only how right. we deal with that and what we do about it that truly matters to me. Talk to me a little bit about what you've seen and, and some of the different perspectives that you've seen from owners or from associates where one side or the other might, um, might take amiss something that the other did.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we've touched base on it before. You know, I think it comes back to it's empathy. It's, it's trying to understand that everything we know could be wrong. Right. We have to be able to to look from somebody else's perspective, at least consider it. Because if we have all of the answers and I know everything, I can't learn anything. You're right? not and other people, exactly. you're not. Right. And, and at the end of the day, like you said, everybody is you're selfish. Right. You have to do what's right for you at the end of the day. And whether that's what you end up doing or not, that's what your brain, brain is telling right. you should do. And so it's psychology right? If I see an owner over here saying one thing, and I see a, an associate saying another, and a hygienist saying another thing, they're, they're assuming that their way is the only way of looking at it, right? right? And then they dig in and say, no, 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 you're wrong. We can't discuss this because I'm right. And so it it really is just taking a step back and trying to consider the other person's perspective. Again, earlier, an associate needs to think like an owner, right? If I'm going to help the owner, I have to understand what it is, that they're going through and how I can do that. And so I think everybody wants to do that. But at the end of the day, it's it's the idea that the other group is doing it maliciously or doing it for some other reason than what's right for themselves. And it's psychology, right? If you, if you don't try to figure out how other people act based on, you know, what's going on, I can't blame a hygienist for not wanting to come back if they're getting unemployment for the same rate, right? Mm -hmm. It's, might be what's best for them, but you got to communicate. You got to be able to look from their perspective and you, you have to empathize. But at the end of the day for the owners as well, you know, it's your business. You have to make that tough decision if things aren't going well, Absolutely. And, you know, well, if the, if the high associate doesn't everybody.
1: work, if the associate doesn't work, the associate doesn't eat. If the owner doesn't yeah. work, nobody eats.
0: Right. Yeah. You know? And nobody eats. Patients are getting care. you know, everything's gone at that point. So it goes back to the Absolutely. first point of, you know, Everything's secondary.
1: Well, and and to talk a little bit of a little bit more about selfishness so that I can clarify my point. You know, if, if you're on a team sport, right? Let's say you're on a on a basketball team or a football team, you you want to be the one scoring the points, right? Or do you or would you rather be on a winning team? Because if you only have one person who's scoring all the points and the team still loses, you're still on a losing team. You know, and so I think uh, sometimes we need to get out of our own way and make sure that our team wins.
0: Yeah. And you bring up the point of team. And I think you actually uh, wanted to do this interview after I kind of made a comment about family versus team.
1: And a lot of dental
0: offices like to, you know, say that we're family, right? And I love family. I have a big family, but family can get away with anything, right? So if you're saying that you're family, you have to be willing to let them get away with anything. But as we go back to, nothing's above the business, right? So you start getting this, this disconnect. I call it the the cognitive cognitive dissonance, right? right? Where you're saying one thing, but the employees are experiencing something else. And so absolutely, vocabulary matters. The words we use matters. And we have to be aware of that. And so instead of saying that family, we need to start talking about it as a team and knowing that, hey, you know, Tom Brady wasn't the guy in New England anymore, right? So he's out, even though he was the best of all time, right? I'm not a fan, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> right. And so what was best for the team and what was best for him diverse. And so they went their different ways because that team still needs to be successful. And, Absolutely. And family doesn't allow that.
1: So, and, and folks, I think that's a really good point. And, and to be honest with you, it's, it's something I had never thought of myself, but it got me to thinking for four or five hours straight, just about all of the, um, all the intricacies of that statement. It it really is a a very, very intelligent observation. So thank you for that. Um, Moving (laughs) on, moving on to your next statement here. You say associates face massive levels of risk, even though it's seldom acknowledged when compared to the owner's risk and they must learn how to reduce their exposure to that risk moving forward. Talk to me a little bit about that.
0: So again, back to the group, right? I think most people in, the business of dentistry are probably owners to some degree there's a lot of associates around but they're they're a little quieter right and so right. that's why i try to talk up a little bit more because i have that perspective but we all know the the risk that asso- uh, owners face right now, right it, it's scary right they have equity in there their their livelihood is tied into this practice but again you were going back to the the profit centers right, right. once the businesses are going again Those profit centers are going to kick in and that owner is going to hopefully be okay. It's a a pretty stable industry, right? The numbers out there are 2% default at a time, right? And that's just crazy numbers. Those are going to go up right now. But for the most part, owners know their risk until they can defend against those. Associates don't know the risk. It's not something that's acknowledged. Owners, and I'll throw this out here from time to time, and I have very few people who even acknowledge that employees, associates have any risk at all. Right. And in my time in dentistry, just three years, I've noticed that risk, you know, and when that risk hits and when it, it, it goes, you're out of a job for a while. Right. Your, your income is hit pretty big. And so my idea is, how do you defend against that? First, you have to acknowledge that it's even there. Right? Right. Being an associate, you're also giving up on the opportunity cost of being an owner. Right. That's a different discussion. But when stuff like this happens or at the bottom there, I say, you know, all associates are, all associates are great until they aren't, right? What do right. you do when it isn't anymore, right? And so you just have to acknowledge it. You have to understand that one day it's great. And literally that afternoon you could be unemployed and now you're out of the job and just the way dentistry is and, and insurance and all that, it's three months before you're back on your feet, potentially, if not longer, right? And so it's just, you have to realize, that it's there, but I don't think it's acknowledged nearly enough.
1: You, you say something um, in your, in your first little subset of points here that um, associates can't diversify their risk because all of their eggs are in one basket. So instead of trying to diversify their risk, they should build a bigger basket. I like right. that. So talk to <laughs> me about what you mean by that.
0: So, if you think about money, right, how do you diversify your investments? Right? You, you get a little bit of money in here. You put a little money in there. So if one dips, the other one might still rise. But outside of that, right, associates have the ability to invest. Everything for them is tied into the business of their job, which they may or may not have any say in going forward, right? And so that's how it differentiates them from the owner. The owner has the ultimate say. Right. They can say if hygiene is working more, they could say if they're bringing in an associate or not. So they can kind of diversify in that respect, right. To a degree, but all of their eggs are kind of in one big basket as well for associates. It's tied to that job, right? So how do you, you can't diversify. We already discussed that. How do you make your basket stronger? How do you do that? And that comes from skills. That comes from building value so that, you know, you have a job. And if that job goes away, you can go down the street, get another job. Right? If something sours, you, get, you don't have to work in a place that you don't want to be because you know you can go down the way and you know, people are going to be knocking on your door to try to get you into their business. Absolutely. And so, it, yeah, you have to be able to do these things, the rest of these things I have on a list to build that value and give you that mindset to say, you know what, this job is great. It's not anymore. So I have to go do something else and have it- that option.
1: It reminds me a lot of something uh, I heard my wife tell one of her associate employees one day and she said you can go down the street and get a job but I can't I'm tied to this place mm-hmm. you can take vacation but I can't I'm tied to this place and mm-hmm. so uh, it, it was the, the associate was arguing over something they wanted done in the practice and why they thought their way was right and my wife uh, just pretty much shut him down she said yeah but I live here so and and that to me was a really illustrative moment about the difference in that owner versus associate mentality. So um, actually, I'd I'd love to hear your opinion on that. (laughs) I don't know how I'd feel if uh, I was an associate and I was told that.
0: You know, expectations, right? If the expectation wasn't there that, um, you know, I expect you to work the business side of it. I'm not as open to sharing or, or discussing those other types of things. You know, if that's established, it makes it easier. When the goalpost moves, when you're inside of it, and and this is just human nature, right? If you don't have it in writing, like you said, anything is negotiable, even afterwards. Um, I understand that perspective from the owner because I'm thinking like the owner, right? That makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense to me. And as an associate, I'm not going to complain about that. But most will because they don't understand that they shouldn't have the same pool as the owner because, hey, I'm a doctor too, right? It, it, it's right. that blurring of lines and wearing both hats at the same time of owner and doctor, but the associate only sees a doctor hat. Well,
1: it's, it's one of those balancing acts there too that um, I would say that, uh, that almost all associates own a job. Most dentist owners also own a job. Some dentist owners pretend they own a business but actually own a job. And then very few dentist owners own a business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a huge thing that, you know, talk about controversial statements. I think that's a controversial statement because it, it's cool to say I'm an owner, right. but not realizing that the job owns you right? right? If, if you don't make that distinction.
1: I, I absolutely, I absolutely believe that's true. I, I, would, I would say it, it perhaps is controversial, but it's also incontrovertible.
0: <laughs> yeah. Getting fancy with your words now.
1: All right. So um, you, you talk a little bit about taking personal responsibility as an associate. Uh, and it, it's basically under the heading, how do you build this stronger basket? You talk about management of their time, clinical skills, interpersonal skills, finance skills, and actions. So talk to me a little bit about that very broad statement, and then we'll get down into the nitty-gritty of what that means.
0: Simply, it comes down to what you can control, right? You've heard of the circle of influence and and what you have control over. And if you're banging your head against the wall, and I'm trying to change you saying, hey, doc, you need to move that guitar behind you over a little bit because it's got a glare on Right, I'm I'm trying to control you. That's impossible, right? You can only do that if if you're on board with me. And so, what can I control? I can control my actions. I can control my decisions. I can control what procedures I do, what I don't do, what kind of money I save, what kind of money I spend. And so, at the end of the day, when those associateships are great and they go bad, you could be upset with the owner, right? That's an easy thing to do. That's what most people will do. And and you may have the right to do that. But how long do you stay in that mindset of it's the owner's fault before you start looking at yourself? Well, why did that go bad? How could I have value so that, you know, they, they wouldn't want to get rid of me. They want to give me a raise to keep me around if I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. If you don't Absolutely. take responsibility for your position, no matter how much you want to see yourself as the victim, you're always going to be the victim. You're always going to be playing catch up and you're always going to be, you know, praying that that job doesn't go away.
1: You, you say a mouthful there, Adam. You really do because I've heard so many times that, you know, a, a, an associate says, I can't believe my owner makes me do such and such. And all the owners will jump on them. And they'll say, you only have to do what you decide you're going to do because you're an associate and it's your license. But in a very real way, there's a fear there for many associates of, you know, because they own a job, right? Yeah. Oh, well, if I don't do this, I'll get fired. So I, I think that really it's a balancing act there. You have to, let, let's say you, you don't want to do a root canal on a tooth because you don't believe that it's salvageable and to, to get clinical here. Uh, you don't believe the crown to root ratio is, 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 is going to be a favorable outcome, not enough ferrule or whatever. The point is, is that you as a doctor have to make that decision and you have to tell the owner, hey, look, if you want this done, you'll have to do it. I don't support this clinically and I'm not going to put my license behind that decision. Now here's the truth. Okay. If my wife walks in and she says, Hey Chris, does this dress make me look fat? I've got about 0.5 seconds to realize that I need to shut my mouth before I use the correct words. Right.
0: I'm not
1: going to say, huh, It sure as hell does. In fact, that dress makes you look fatter than any other dress I've ever seen you in. I'm probably going to say something along the lines of, you know, sweetheart, you look good in anything that you wear. Now, if you're asking me if you look as good in this as you do in the other dresses that you showed me, I, I, I like the others better. Yeah. The truth is it comes in the way that you decide to say something. And if you as an associate Mm -hmm. decide to bow up to your boss to show them whose boss you've already lost because you are not the boss.
0: Yeah, but I'm a doctor. That's right. And you should listen to me. right? And that's how you think about yourself. And and
1: that balance comes on both sides of that equation too and goes Mm -hmm. back again to what you talked about earlier, which was those communication skills. And I do want to circle back to that. But our next thing that we're going to talk about is clinical skills. I see a lot of different perspectives here. That owner doctor didn't teach me anything. That associate came to me knowing nothing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That owner doctor didn't pay for the CE I wanted to take so I could make more money. That associate was so cheap and so lazy, they wouldn't buy a good CE a lot of that comes down to perspectives and a lot of it comes down to what is in writing and what do you say in writing is going to happen? Guys, these, these associate contracts are so damn important. If you don't have an associate contract, you're an idiot, I'm going to say it right now and you can be pissed at me. Protect yourselves and doctor owners protect yourselves too. If it's not written, it didn't happen. Put it in writing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: With that being said, those feelings, again, feelings, Um, Are very disruptive in a practice, what can we do as owners? What can you do as associates to make sure that we we keep that from happening, keep that from occurring? What conversations should we have? Because those conversations shape what goes into that contract. So talk to me a little bit about what you'd like to see as an associate from your owner doctor.
0: Personal, you know, it's philosophy right? And you throw that word out there and, and it's kind of confusing because what is my philosophy? I want to care for the patient. Well, there's a way to do that. You know, you can be the doctor that, that watches everything and patches everything, right? And you can defend that with your, your clinical background and all of that. You could be the doctor that says, hey, I, I see a problem here. Let's go ahead and get ahead of that. Um, and you could be correct on that front too, right? You ask 10, 10 dentists what the right thing is, you'll get 13 right answers, right? So there's, there's no way to really say one way is better than the other. But in this business, in this practice, this is how we practice, right? This is our philosophy. This is what we do. And that, that's something that rubs a lot of doctors, right? When you're thinking like doctors, the wrong way. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think I should use that material. I don't think I should use these things. and it's, right. it's, That's the business aspect, that if you're thinking like an owner and everything I do is different from you, so I need all my own special equipment, I don't bring value to the practice. I bring cost to the practice, right? I bring, I I bring down that, um, efficiency in the practice by saying, I need my special thing because this is how I do it. And that's if you, if the owner doesn't have their philosophy down saying, this is how we do things. We have some leeway in this area. If you want to do it otherwise, but hey, this is the material used. This is how we do it. We can discuss changing that, but we do the same thing. And the associate doesn't have a, something in their mind of saying, hey, I'm, I'm here. I want to be on board with this philosophy. I want to practice this way. You start to butt heads, right? And you start to get those fingers pointed of, I don't agree with that, but they want me to do it. And, you know, you're, you're just not on the same page. And so at the end of the day, every office is going to be different. Every office is going to have their own philosophy. And if it's run like a business, it should be standardized to a certain extent, even at the expense of the doctor feeling like, you know, I'm not on board with that. But if it's stated before and it's that expectation, right, you can then point to it later and say, hey, this we talked about this. This was what we agreed on and now you're saying otherwise. And you still have the autonomy, right? That's where it gets hard. But mm-hmm. if you don't have that philosophy and you don't agree upon that and it's not in writing, you start to get lost, right? You start to butt heads and, and the costs go up and the value of the associate goes down.
1: So I am going to make a small argument there and I think it will actually clarify right. a lot of what you just said. Mm -hmm. Much like most people don't understand the difference between strategy and tactics. They're two very, very different things. Um, Your strategy is your overall way that you plan to do something. Your tactics are the individual components that achieve portions of that strategy. Philosophy is an overall guiding idea or an ideal. Principles are the things you're talking about. Because if I say that I want to, treat all patients to the highest quality of medicine. That's my ideal or my philosophy. My principles are going to be, I will use these materials because I believe they are the best. Do you think that if we use those two words correctly, that we would disperse some of this this problem in communication? Because we can both have the same philosophy, but our principles Mm -hmm. can be different, right? Both have the same strategies, but our tactics to achieve that strategy can be different.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, vocabulary is very important, right? And, and the, the idea of a philosophy versus principles going forward, I think of differently, right? Because my definition of it and what I think about as being principles mm-hmm. as, you know, I would never principle, I would never do something for a patient that isn't right for them. For me, that's how I'm thinking, how yeah. you're putting it out, you know, and, and, I love this. And this is what's great about the group is we should be able to disagree and still discuss exactly. it, you know, going forward. And so the way that you're putting principles for me doesn't define the way I think of the word principle. Mm-hmm. And so you can see, I think we're, we're definitely saying the same thing, but it's confusing because we're not on the same page, right? Absolutely. And so it's something as simple as that as two people saying the exact same thing, but thinking of it differently is it, just, right, it's hard. It's all I, so I difficult, think, think but it's one communication. Thing,
1: I think the one thing here we can agree on is we need some better vocabulary. Uh, we need yep. some, some terms that we can agree on so that we can have the right conversations. Because if yep. I think that a philosophy is the thing that I do rather than the, the idea that I have of what's correct, well, then I get really interpolated and defensive because th- philosophies are feelings, yep. right? Yep. And again this yeah. the reason the reason I proposed that distinction was because the the idea here is to separate the feelings from the logic, so our feeling is accomplished by very specific, detailed methods and so yeah. what what do you think we can use to communicate those methods versus the feeling of our ideal or our philosophy? Because I think almost every dentist is going to say, you know, if asked, what's your treatment philosophy? I want to treat the the patient to the best of my ability. Okay. (laughs) You just said a whole bunch of nothing, you know, because philosophies are soft. So how do we distinguish between that? Because when people attack our feelings, we respond with feelings, right? Yeah.
0: Blood pressure rises, right?
1: Exactly. But if you attack our facts, we take a breath and we go, okay, well, this is why this is true. Here, read Mm -hmm. this. So I think we need more of that. I think we need more of that in dentistry. And 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 we can have more uh dialogue on this and and expand this discourse. I hope honestly to the group because I think this would be a great discussion. Uh maybe maybe this interview will actually um actually create some some good benefit for people in in bettering their communications.
0: Yeah, and, and there's no right answer, right? Everybody can define it differently, but as long as you're communicating and you're moving forward. There's going to be conflict in the practice, right. in the business, it, it, you know, clinical, business-wise, you name it. But if you're not able to go and talk to that person and try to hash it out, that's when things start to sour. Um, I was reading something recently, you know, every person within a business has the obligation to dissent, right? If something isn't going right, and Ray Dalio's principles, you know, his book in there has kind of the same, same idea of that, that radical candor, right? I have to be able to come to you and talk to you without you taking something personally. And I have to be able to accept that you don't agree with me at all without taking that principle. Uh, personally, Absolutely. Right. And if you don't have that within your business as a, as the culture of your business, things start to, you know, that culture erodes and, and you start backing off and, and things start souring.
1: I, I have a perfect example of it. My, one of my yeah. longest term and um, honestly just, best, best team members, uh, who she, she was actually a friend of mine before I hired her, which was a big thing. Cause I don't hire friends, yeah. uh, it, much for much the reason that you talked about earlier about family versus team. So, um, one day she came to me and she says, Dr. Huffpower, you need to not treat patient X in the morning anymore. I said, well, okay, why? Because she upsets you and the rest of the day, your dentistry sucks said okay yeah. she said no i'm serious every time it's something i've noticed over time every time you treat her in the morning she upsets you emotionally and i guess you're thinking about those things while you're working on the patients and the margins in your class twos are crappy you get frustrated yeah. you don't do what i know you want to do and i just think we need to not treat her in the morning anymore and it made me think and she was right and I actually, yeah. I have made a policy. I've got something I call the Sunshine Club. Every single one of my patients has a Sunshine Club membership. Anybody who annoys me is in the Sunshine Club. And they only <laughs> get scheduled in the afternoons or before lunch so that I have yeah. a break between them and other patients. Because it was affecting me. It was it was making my dentistry not, at, not, not to the level that I hold to be the correct level. And yeah. so... Those those that ability of your team members to give you that kind of radical truth is super important. If you are the kind of introspective person who can look at yourself and go, "Is this true about me?"
0: Yeah, you know, I think that's awesome. That that team member of yours, right? That's a team member. That's somebody looking out absolutely. for you, the business and the and the patient all at the same time. And that's she is awesome. she
1: is just amazing. Uh, you know, yep. but
0: but it's because of the culture in your practice that you absolutely. cultivate from the head. Right. As an associate coming in and I work with different, you know, different staff, different employees that, you know, across the board, you just got to throw it out there. That, that doctor mindset, we talked about an associate, they can't see themselves as a doctor anymore. Right. They have to see themselves as a team member, as something valuable to practice. And I hear things, you know, that have happened over the years, the way dentistry probably used to be because I was a doctor that's, you know, no other way to say it than disgusting. Right. Right. Doctors yelling at their team in front of the patients, doctors throwing, throwing stuff or... at their team. And, and for me, that just blows my mind. And how can you expect to have a business, have an employee that will come to you and be honest with you like that when you treat them that way, right? Absolutely. As far as my, my assistant goes, my hygienist goes, the patient is, they never know if, if they do something that they're not supposed to, right? They've never made a mistake in their life as far as the patient's concerned. And I make that my job to make sure. The team knows that doesn't mean they don't do things wrong, but there's a time and a place and a way to address it. And if you don't do that correctly, then again, that culture just, is gone.
1: Absolutely. And, and there's a balancing act. And there's something that I think as, as an owner, it's important to understand. Um, first of all, you don't talk down to your team members in front of patients. Yeah. That's hard to balance sometimes because there are some things that require immediate correction. If something requires immediate correction, uh, for instance, I had this one team member. uh, She ended up getting fired because she just couldn't do it, couldn't do the job. She dropped something on the floor, picked it up with her gloved hand, and put it back on my tray. And so I I said, "Um, do me a favor. Go ahead and clean the tray off, wipe it down, and bring me some new instruments instead of just doing it, she looked at me and she flashed back and she said, I just wiped it down. Right. So there are some times where that is a very difficult skill set to master. And so as an owner or as a doctor, there are those times when, when you're going to slip and you're, you're going to criticize a team member in front of, a patient or, or what have you, simply because it has to happen at that moment. Um, yeah. The important thing there, though, is to remember when a team member is not doing their job correctly, there are two possibilities. The first possibility is that that team member doesn't care to do the thing you taught them. And the other possibility is you haven't taught them correctly. And so I try to weigh all of those corrections with that in my mind. Has this person been properly trained and hatted in their position? Is this my fault? And react in that way. There are some things like, you know, whenever an employee um, flashes back at you. And you'll notice, I, I call the people who are, who are crappy team members, employees, and I call my my good team members, team members. <laughs> I just realized that yeah. about myself. Uh, so. Well, it, it's uh, it's a constant journey, guys.
0: Yeah, I, I recently read your uh, your article in Ortho Practice, I think, where you said pretty much the same thing, right? Oh, yeah. You need absolutely. to yeah have that have that leadership ability, and we deal with things that that are urgent, right? It needs to happen right now, or you're starting over, or you're not going to get the results you want. And so within that area, again, it comes back to communication. Hey, if we're in the ability to communicate in a certain way, that's what we do. But when we're urgent, we have to communicate this way. It's not personal. It just needs to be done now, right? And and again, it's going back to creating those standards and expectations of this is what it is. Don't take it personal. Let's talk about it and, and deal with it going forward.
1: So the next thing you brought up was interpersonal skills and how an associate needs to build their interpersonal skills so that they can become a more valuable asset to the practice. Talk to me a little bit about that.
0: Again, I've been at it for three years, right? So most of the patients I see have had extensive dental work, right? They've had crowns, they've had root canals, they've had comprehensive exams where another dentist has talked to them about their needs and what's going on. And about 85% I found, I can show them an x-ray and I can show them the black triangle between their teeth and say, Mm -hmm. that's your gums. And 85% of them will look at me and say, really? I never knew that, right? I didn't know that. Something as simple as where the gums are on an x-ray, patients have been looking at x-rays their whole life, they have no clue about, right? And so it goes back to, hey, I could do anything in their mouth and as long as they had a good experience, They're going to think it was a good, you know, good dental treatment, even though as doctors, we know that may not be the case. And so nobody's putting down that you shouldn't have the clinical skills and you shouldn't be doing good work. That's given, right? But if you can't communicate a good experience to the patient by having those skills to, you know, speak with them, speak with your team, be on the same page from the moment they walk into the door to the moment they walk out, those are the things that they care about. Those are the things that they know. And if I can't give that to them as a doctor, you know, it it goes back to that old way of thinking that old school dentistry of the only thing that matters is dentistry. And as doctors, you can make that argument, but to a patient, that argument just doesn't hold water. Right. right? And so you have to be thinking about everything else other than the dentistry when it comes to the patient.
1: I I heard something once and it was so true. Um, A lot of dentists, they live in this red ocean philosophy Everyone else's competition. Folks, you're not competing against the dentist down the street. You're competing against Walt Disney, Carnival Cruises, and Best Buy. Now, yeah. Best Buy, Carnival, and Walt Disney have made a concerted effort to have a unique selling proposition. They have, they have spent millions of dollars – To determine what it is that customers want and how to educate them into a buying frame of mind. If you truly believe that your patient's health is important, and if you truly believe that dentistry is an important component of that patient's health, then you owe it to your patients to learn how to create a buying frame of mind in your patient's perception. You, you owe it to your patients to be able to communicate well enough with them that they will make the right decision and do the treatment they need.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's all it is, right? And you're saying buying decision, right? And I know that rubs a lot of dentists the wrong way. It, uh, I, use, I use sales, right? And mm-hmm. people go back to high pressured, you know, 1950s type selling where, hey, sell, 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 do what you can, do what you can't. When nowadays, right, selling is, it's a service, right? I'm the expert. I have to sell this patient on what I believe is important to them. And if I don't believe what I'm doing is important, I shouldn't be selling it. If you don't think that's right, don't do it. But if you can't communicate with the patient, if you can't get them to buy in to what you're talking about, you cannot help them. You can't treat them. Absolutely, and it's that simple. There's nothing else to it, and 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 until you can get over that that hurdle of sales are a bad thing, right? You'll never truly learn those skills. You can call it whatever you want. And as an associate,
1: you will never be a profit center, and you will always only be an albatross around the neck of the practice you work at.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because you're you're not thinking. Again, there's a level of urgency to it, right? And, and goes back to our vocabulary that we disputed on earlier, the philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you're giving that patient a good experience, it doesn't matter what your philosophy is. If you, if for, for me using my word, the type that's going to watch and patch something versus somebody who's going to be proactive and get ahead of it, right? Mm-hmm. Before there's a problem. As long as you can communicate that to the patient and they know what's going on and they can understand it. That's the most important thing. They have to understand it mm-hmm. to be able to buy into what you're saying. Right. As long as you're doing that and you can do it within your code of conduct, right, your principles and all of that, there's not a problem. Right. But if a patient, for me, walks out of the office and they are more confused than when they walked in, I failed as an associate because they're not coming back. It's that simple.
1: Now, one of the key ways you can do that is don't be that guy. Don't be the guy who criticizes every other dentist's work ever that's yeah. been done in this patient's mouth. That's not how you win friends. Not with the yeah. patients, not with the other dentists. Everybody has bad days. I am an excellent dentist. Say us all. Yeah. Every single one of us. I haven't met a dentist except for Mowdy who says they're a shitty dentist. So <laughs> the point there is just because you disagree with what was done Doesn't mean it was wrong in that person's philosophy with that patient's finances at that time in that moment in history when all the stars aligned. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath and tell them what you need to do now. And anytime that a patient says, well, I can't believe I spent this much money on such and such, such and such, remind them that they got three good meals every single day out of those teeth for that time span that they were in there. And that the good Lord is a better dentist than you are. And that patient done broke his shit. And yeah. so <laughs> no one can expect I that to work at a dentist. What's that?
0: Yeah, I say that every time, just not as eloquently as you just said. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if yeah. that would be eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally, I, I
1: say exactly that. You done broke his yeah, shit. Yeah, me too. So you're going to break mine. <laughs> like yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So moving that's on great. along. <laughs> All right. We have uh, soft skills, clinical skills. Do you believe that associates need to pay for their own CE?
0: I do. Yeah. I think it's obviously a benefit and something great if you get into a practice that's doing that. Um, But for me, I have things that I want to learn, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm going to invest in it. And that's what I've been doing going forward. And and a lot of that investment, obviously, you can go to courses all day. You just have to do it. Right. And I talked to a lot of people about endos, you know, doing second molar endos. You know, I came Mm -hmm. out of school having done like half a a molar endo, right? Just nothing. But I had the opportunity to start doing those. And every time the patient came in in pain and they were going to do a root canal, even if I didn't think I could finish that root canal, right, I started it. I did a pulpal debridement. I went in, I found all the canals. I got used to doing that. And so I got better at it. Right? I got to the point where, hey, I've found all the canals. Why am I going to send them out? you know, to, to, uh, to specialists when they could stay here and get it done. And so it's those right. little, those little pieces of just pushing yourself a little bit more, a little bit more, obviously not doing damage to the patient or anything like that, but also communicating with the patient, right? I'll tell them, I'll give myself an out every single time to this day of, Hey, we're going to get in there. As long as everything's making sense, we're going to finish it up for you. If I get in there and things just aren't going well, we're going to get you to a specialist because it needs to get done right. And that's the most important thing. Right. Absolutely. And you give yourself that out and patients will at least respect you afterwards. Right. And, and, and that's what it comes down to is doing good dentistry, but to be better, you have to push yourself. You have to implement a little bit more every single time to get better. And that comes from CE, but also just personal investment and communication with the patient.
1: Your next point that you make and, and the final point that we're going to cover here is personal finances and financial skills and you separate those talk to me a little bit about what you mean by that i believe you probably mean finance skills as in like understanding how the practice runs and personal finances is something separate talk to me a little bit about what you meant there
0: you have to understand numbers either way right you have to understand finances either way and so as uh, with my mba right a large piece of me wanting to do that was just to be able to understand all of that type of stuff whether i apply it to business or not I have that knowledge to apply to my own personal life. And so going back to value for the business, if I understand the numbers and I understand that, you know, if I do this procedure with this type of material, it's going to be this expensive. I do that material, you know, whatever it is, you have to know the numbers. The unfortunate reality is a lot of owners probably don't even know the numbers either. You know, they, they have an idea, but they're not.
1: Do you remember our discussion about cogs and that Dennis said that cogs don't exist for dentists? It blew my yeah. damn mind.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it goes back to that. So um, I had a different draft I was working on, you know, but you just have to understand that the, the owner may not understand the numbers either, but it comes back to feelings, right? So that was my point earlier about feelings versus logic. You have to have the logic. You have to know the numbers, understand them, and actually be able to apply them. But if your owner isn't on the same page, you have to be able to translate, translate that to feelings. Right. Making it feel like you're more valuable if they're not able to see the logical side of it. And so cash flow, all of that type of stuff, those are numbers that you have to know. Right. And so that applies to the business skills and that improves your value to the practice. To a personal stance, how do you know this whole section is how does an associate reduce their risk? Right risk exposure. It comes down to understanding these type of things. And and there's a huge push, right? The amount of debt that we have coming out of school right now is, is crazy. And times two for my wife and I, and she's going back to school. So that just ding, ding, ding goes up. Yep. But there's a huge push to pay all of that debt off as quickly as you can with with no thought of anything else. And I can appreciate that. I can understand that to a point. Once you're- Being, being secure, debt-free is
1: comfortable. I can tell you. I'm
0: pretty much debt-free <laughs> right now.
1: I love it, Yeah, but yeah. There, I don't even want to get into the discussion of good debt, bad debt. Mm-hmm. There's bad debt, and there's worse debt. Get rid of the worst debt first.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yep. You know, bill that. it goes back to that six months of expenses here. You know, I think six to 10 months is a minimum for an associate. Normally, you hear three out in the public, but again, think of our risk, right? When that associateship ends that afternoon, you mm-hmm. have to go find a new job right? Your, your money's going down. You have to get credentialed with insurance. You have to get on board with the team and, and uh, the patients and all that. So that's a minimum of three months right there. Plus your Absolutely. disability doesn't pay for 91 days, right? So you have to have a minimum of three months. And so once you put all this into it, you know, for me, it's closer to 10 months so that when something crazy like this happens right now, mm-hmm. right? We're not sweating. We're doing okay. And not everybody can be there, but this is how you have to start thinking, right? If I'm in a practice that, that all of a sudden goes bad for whatever reason, I don't want to be in that practice. I don't want to be forced to have to work there, right? I want to be able to say, you know what? That's unacceptable to me. I'm out of here and not think twice about it, right? And, and there's situations that that can happen, whether it's the, the owner just decides, hey, sorry, you're done today. I can't, can't afford you anymore. Or you just decide, you know what? There's something wrong. I have to go. Um, there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. But if it ends today, The longer runway you have, the easier it is. And so I think that's very important. And that comes back to cash flow that we talked about, right? You can pay down the debt as quickly as you want, but really at the beginning of your career, it's about cash flow, really anywhere in your career, right? As long as I can cover my expenses, I'm good to go. I can build that emergency fund. I can get 10 months in there. And then I can take that money and I can invest in myself in the skills that I need, right? In the clinical skills and in the the business sales skills. By investing in yourself early on and keeping that debt there, you're able to get ahead quicker. Just the way I see it.
1: Absolutely. Well, folks, Adam, I'm going to give you the the last words here in our uh, in our little recording. And again, I'm sorry that Facebook decided that it was going to do methamphetamines this morning. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it is what it is.
0: Yeah. Hey, doc, I appreciate it. You know, thanks for bringing me on. Uh, I've told you before, I think I'm a, a little more eloquent in writing than verbally, but I think you'll well want, I think today. you did a great job. Um, thank, you a great job. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate what you have here. Like I said, I think there's so much opportunity to learn today that we just need to be open to the possibility that everything we know is wrong, right? If you're not open to that possibility, you can't possibly learn anything going forward. And then as far as associates are concerned, with that mindset and understanding that there are things you can do to put yourself in a better position, you just have to be open to that idea.
1: Absolutely. Great, great words of philosophy or principles or strategy or tactics, whichever <laughs> they are. Uh, folks, <laughs> thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Deer Doc Podcast. Um, as always, uh, I, I do appreciate the fact that you have given up an hour of your life to listen to the sound of my voice droning on. So thank you for uh, your support and have a great day. Thanks
0: for listening to the dear doc podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the dear doc podcast on all major platforms.